I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope you are all doing well. Um, recently recorded and released a podcast talking about all sorts of stuff. I I so appreciate you all. Um, we are we're doing the work. This is the work. Going through this dark time, this tunnel. I described it the other day as like we're all being squeezed through a toothpaste tube. And we're coming out in this like fine shape, but before the tube, we're just, I don't know, rolling in uh, uh, formless matter. And we are being shaped into something so beautiful. We're becoming who we've always been. We're stepping into the fullness of our light and our love, truth, beauty, and goodness. And the process is not easy. It's not easy. And so speaking of not easy, we are talking about getting rid of Mr. Nice Guy in this episode. I have my brother Fabiano Menino. He's so, this this interview was amazing, and this is uh, a follow up because he interviewed me for this masculinity summit that he's about to launch. And whether you are a man or a woman out there, if you are a sister or a brother, this I would really encourage signing up for his uh, masculinity summit. It's all about getting rid of Mr. Nice Guy. As I say, the prolific people pleaser. And so this interview that Fabiano and I go through is amazing. And I know it's going to bless you. He shares his story very vulnerably. And it's incredibly relatable that we all have gone through something very similar. So I'm excited to bring my brother on this podcast and make sure I'm going to put the link to the summit in the notes here. Make sure you sign up because this is a powerful one. Also, before I get in and introduce Fabiano, I have a men's retreat that I am leading May 25th through 29th in Dallas, Texas. So you fly into Dallas, Texas. It's $5,000. It is going to be a life-changing experience for you. You can go and look at the testimonials that I've had of other men that have gone through this retreat. This is something that you're going to come and change. You're going to become the man you've always wanted to be, thought you could be, but just don't know how. This is that experience. I have seven slots left. So if you're interested or you know someone interested, reach out to my website, lucasmack.com. There's a page on there called retreats and apply for it. Um, this is the time, brothers. This is the time. Sisters, if you know a brother out there that that is stuck looking to step into his power, this is the time. So I have my retreat coming up at the Masculinity Summit that Fabiano's launching when men heal, the world heals, my dear brother and sisters, because the masculine container is what allows the feminine energy to feel safe. And when that masculine container is simply holding space for us all, oh, it's going to be incredible. The birth of new life that comes forth. So that's what I want to say. Sign up, go to our website, go to the links. I'll put them all in the show notes. And without further delay, here's my brother, Fabiano. Well, my brother, thank you so much for coming on. And like I said, we had a great, 
a great time recording for your summit and what you're doing, bro. It's it's gonna change lives. It's gonna change lives. It's just the you know we were talking to everyone before we started recording, just talking about the diverse set of men that are sharing their perspectives and. Uh, I didn't know all of them and I just started following one of them that you shared, but I know the ones that I know have powerful perspectives and we all like a, like a good seasoning, bring the flavor in our own unique way. So Mm -hmm. thanks for putting that on. Absolutely. It's, um, it's been fun and it's been fun getting to connect with speakers like yourself and, and just like the wide range of experiences and Mm -hmm. view points on masculinity because yeah so the the topic that we're hitting on is you know the nice guy syndrome and helping men lead a fearless life or as you say the prolific people pleaser that's right right like we're hitting we're hitting on this topic but it also is just masculinity as a whole too and really just i mean the common theme out of out of each of these speaker interviews including yours is brotherhood and I just, my body just had the visceral response of like truth bumps. You know, I call them truth bumps instead of goosebumps. I love it. But these truth bumps are just this visceral feeling of why brotherhood is so important. Mm. And it was something like, people ask me like, why am I doing this? Why am I creating the summit? Like, who is this for? Mm. And I said, this is for the old version of me that didn't have this where I felt alone, confused, depressed, isolated, suicidal. And I know there's men that are just a few steps behind who need this. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. There's a verse in the Bible. It says, Oh, how beautiful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Mm. I love that. Oh, how beautiful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And it is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when, when men embraces brothers as opposed as some false competition or some perceived threats like no we're we're brothers get in here you know brothers don't shake hands brothers got a hug yeah we embrace each other yeah that's right yeah um so you know you shared a lot though the old you let's talk about the old you where'd you grow up and what was life like for you that led you to doing this work today yeah great question Um, I've talked about my story quite a bit like yourself and what grew up, I was born in New Jersey, you know, uh, Trenton, New Jersey to be exact, you know, the nice part of it. Is that sarcastic? I don't know. It is is sarcastic. (laughs) It is the ghetto. You can't get any more ghetto. Um, (laughs) so Trenton, New Jersey, uh, lived there for, lived in Pennsylvania, Allentown, PA for like five years. Yeah. Basically, like Trenton is where my mom was born and she wanted us to be born in the same hospital she was. So cool. she drove across the fucking bridge, <laughs> <laughs> had me, my brother, my sister. Um, and then we ended up leaving for when I was five years old. My my father's mother passed away. And, you know, I learned this out, you know, after. Um, but it was because, you know, I, I was wondering why we left and and as a kid, you don't really understand. You just go. Right. And so I learned that it was because he couldn't deal with the death of his mother. And so he was just trying to get away. Mm. And there was also this you know, sense of wanting to move and change and shift environment and whatnot. But 
I grew up most of my life here in Florida. So I'm in St. Pete, Florida. Beautiful. And um, I grew up in Tarpon Springs, Palm Harbor area, which is like 30, 40 minutes north of here. Uh, I, I'm on one side of the water. This is on another side of the water. Mm. And so basically St. Pete is a peninsula on a peninsula because, you know, Florida is a peninsula. Right, right. <clears throat> and so I get I get the sunrise on one side and then the sunset on the other. So then they're 20 minutes apart in distance. So I get to see both in the same day. It's pretty magical. Wow. And um, but before I moved to St. Pete, after high school, I moved to Orlando for seven years. And during those seven years, I met my ex-wife. Mm. And, you know, through that relationship, um, you know, it was, it was a beautiful start, a beautiful beginning. And she she was from Brazil. Mm. And um, I actually haven't talked about this publicly in the sense of only with close friends and whatnot, but she was here on a visa and a school visa. And we ended up starting to date January of 2010 and ended up falling in love, right? This feeling. And um, once she graduated school, I didn't realize she would have to go back. Mm. And so, you know, I proposed marriage. And because I was, I had already loved her and was this feeling of like, how can I like, that's, that, it's almost like it's not fair. You yeah. Know, this feeling yeah. of it's not fair. Yeah. And so I married her so she could stay and get her green card. And, and we, and there was like, there, there was this deep love there was still, you know, there was this deep love in our relationship, but I started to notice things about myself. Like I, I, I didn't uh, hang out with my friends anymore, right? I didn't have a life of my own. We were just hanging out with her friends and spending time with her family. And I barely got to see my family. And, mm. and you know, it was, at the time, I felt pressure, you know, saying, you know, I want to do these things. And, you know, now I can look back and realize, like, I just wasn't strong enough mm. to tell her what I wanted and what I needed and what I desired. And, you know, typical, you know, prolific people pleaser or nice guy uh, trait. And, um, and so it sent me into this kind of downward negative spiral of depression, of isolation, not feeling like I could reach out to anybody. Well, because one, I'm a man, Mm -hmm. right? And men don't ask for help. At least that was my belief pattern then. A lot of men feel that and experience that. Like nobody cares about what I'm experiencing. And I hear this a lot from men. And I, I became, I started having suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideations in this marriage where I'm like, you know, I, I I didn't feel seen or understood. And I, I wanted to better myself and I didn't feel supported by my partner either. Mm. I didn't feel supported by the one person that was supposed to love me. And and I realized after couples counseling and therapy, I'm, I'm kind of fast tracking this yeah. part here a little bit. You know, this was five years in the making, but in, I realized I was like, I don't want to die. Like, I actually don't, I don't, why, and why is that even an option? Mm. You know, and I started thinking about, it, I was like, there's no way I'm the only one who feels this way. Mm. And so after going through couples counseling and then seeing our own individual counselors, I I chose, made the decision to get divorced Hmm. because I didn't see a way out. And the only way out that I saw was me killing myself. Yeah. 
And I know a lot of men feel that and experience that. And I fucking empathize with you because, you know, I didn't, I didn't do it, but I know a lot of men do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and this feeling of just like, there's no way out is it's suffocating. Yeah. And it can begin to take up a lot of mental space and a lot of capacity. Mm. And so we got divorced December 10th of 2019 or sorry, 2014. Mm. And, um, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. I was, I didn't know who I was. I was on a, on a journey of searching of searching of who I am and who I am as in a, in a world as a man where everyone's trying to tell me what a man is. Yeah, really? Yeah. And so it sent me on this journey of self-exploration. I, um, I found music festivals and I started, uh, I started just exploring, like I started having fun. Mm-hmm. And that was something I really wasn't used to. Um, I was so judgmental of myself, which in turn that projected onto other people. Mm. But I was judgmental in, in the fact that I was like, I wish I could be as free as these people, mm. right? Like, or look as free as these people maybe feel. Mm. And uh, I was never a dancer, which is funny because a lot of people who know me now, they're like, dude, you never stop moving. Like in the, in the sense of like, I love dancing, right? Yeah, I love moving yeah, my yeah. body, you know, yeah. when I'm, when I'm dancing with my, my woman, I love just moving and grooving. Um, but 2016 was a year that really massively shifted and changed my life. And, uh, I went to my first ever music festival and I'm not condoning this or, or saying that people should go out and do this. Um, but it definitely altered and shifted my life in a very beautiful way. Yeah. But I, uh, I ended up taking some ecstasy and LSD mm-hmm. and had a spontaneous awakening at the festival. Beautiful. Like I just kept I seeing people. MDMA, like if, yeah, if that was part of the process. Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely incredible. I, um, I understood, I started to under, like understand, you know, like that inner, inner standing. Let's, yeah. let's say that. Yeah. I started to understand. I was like looking at all these people and looking at how free they were and like no judgment. They were just moving their bodies and doing whatever the hell that they wanted to do and loving each other in the process, supporting each other in the process, like sick dance moves, dude. I love that. What's your name? And I'm like, what is happening right now? Wow. You know, and I, this, and this kept sending me on a journey of just like exploring. You know, I would go to different shows, different festivals, connect with people, get to meet people, fall in love, you know, this Molly love, MDMA love. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I started exploring different podcasts and different books and video casts like Lewis Howes. Uh, I think it was when he first started his uh, The School of Greatness and then Tom Billy with Impact Theory and and Aubrey Marcus and Ed Milet and Andy Frisilla, yeah. uh, like all these all these people who had just literally just started their podcasts, it felt like, Mm. and I was just learning from them. And I started understanding about mindset creation and meditation and breath work and, and just really trying to understand, you know, myself more. Mm. And, um, 2017 came around and, you know, there's this thing in in astrology called, uh, known as the Saturn return. Are you familiar with that? Yep. Yep. But for those explain that real quick yeah i like to simplify things um so saturn return is basically the universal sledgehammer (laughs) 
<laughs> good way to say it. That's good. So, yeah. it, it's uh it's astrologically it's a time in your life when Saturn turns returns back into orbit in your chart. Right. And it's every I think it's every 27 to 30 years, something mm-hmm. like that. Don't hold me to that. Um, but you can look this up on your own for the audience who's who's listening. Mm-hmm. And so 2017, literally the month that everything happened or started happening was when that universal sledgehammer came down. Mm. And that was June of 2017. And so I ended up going to a music festival in Vegas and uh, for seven days. Mm. And I took a lot of drugs and I ended up meeting a woman there and we connected and she was from Orlando. And, uh, you know, we were just very, we were side by side the entire time. And we, you know, fell in love, you know, at least during that time. And so we talked about coming back and dating and, and all this stuff. And, and then I think it actually started to sit it settle in for her. And so we went from communicating all the time to then just completely ghosted me. Mm. And I, I found out through social media that she ended up going back to her ex mm. and and it kind of like broke my heart, at least at the time, right? Like, I'm like, how do we have this kind of connection, all this stuff? And, right. and then, and then my dog got sick. Mm. And, you know, for anyone who has, who has a, a puppy or, or a dog or, or know, like that feeling of your animal getting sick is heart wrenching. Yeah. He ended up dying three weeks later. Mm. Just everything happened so fast. Um, but before that, this is where stuff started to shift and change for me is, you know, I was partying a lot. I was searching for something. I was just continuously searching and searching and searching externally. Yeah. And this, uh, I ended up working seven nights in a row. I worked at a hospital doing pre and post-operative open heart care. And, and I worked a lot to afford the lifestyle that I wanted to live, Mm. but I wasn't sleeping as much. And so one day after work, it was a Saturday going into a Sunday morning. I, my friends invited me to brunch and I was like, sure, I'll go to brunch. I've only, I'm only, I'll sleep two hours, three hours and I'll be good to go. Right. At at that time in my life, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be fine. Mm. Ended up going to brunch, um, had a couple drinks, did the, all you can, all you can eat, all that stuff, had a great time with them. And I noticed I started getting tired. I just started getting really tired and that was about like 5 PM. So I stopped drinking. I was like, I'm just going to keep drinking water. I want to spend time with them and hang out and end up going back to their place in the hot tub. And I ended up falling asleep in the hot tub. Wow. Yeah. It was like 9 PM, 9 30 PM. And, and then, you know, they were laughing and, and I didn't know why anyone was laughing. And I just woke up and I was like, I gotta go. Like I gotta go home or else I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it home. Like, I just felt like I was, you know, going to fall asleep. Mm. Well, I ended up falling asleep. Mm. And so I ended up driving, starting to drive home. And uh, between St. Pete and Tampa is this uh, seven, I think it's like seven mile bridge. And I was going 65, 70 miles an hour. And I could start noticing myself dozing off and dozing off until I just completely fell asleep. And I didn't know I fell asleep until I woke up because I collided with a pickup truck. Oh my gosh, bro. And the pickup truck was a, was a four door 
pickup truck, like a Ford F-150. My car hit them. They rolled, hit the other guardrail on the, on the other side. And the impact of that put me into the middle guardrail in this, I went airborne. And, um, and by the grace of God, mm-hmm. my, instead of my car going straight, it ended up turning and turned back onto the highway. And my car came down to a screeching hole. I hit my head multiple times on the steering wheel, Mm. my knee, my shoulder, all this. And the car slammed down on the bridge, entire right side of the car completely dismantled. Like, you know, the tires normally like this, it was like this. Wow. Um, All windows, you know, airbags deployed, windows bashed out and uh hit my head on the steering wheel again and and then moments later i just came to and i just started feeling around my body and i started feeling my legs and my arms and my head and i just was like holy shit did i am i like am i alive Mm. and um Mm. what ended up happening shortly after is i got out of the car because i remembered i'm like i just hit i just I, i just hit a pickup truck and I got out of the car. I, it was difficult to walk because I was still kind of like coming to, and I looked over and I saw this pickup truck on its, like on its side, mm. you know, or on its, I think it was on its side or on the, on the roof. It wasn't the way a pickup truck should be. Let's just say that. Yeah. And the, that moment I, I thought I was like, I just killed four people. Like whoever was in that, I just killed them. Mm. And that was the first thought and, and, uh, luckily by the grace of God, again, nobody, like barely anybody was hurt. They ended up going to the hospital. There's four people in there and wow. And, um, the Florida highway patrol came over to me and he, he asked me what happened. I told him, I was like, I fell asleep and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what happened. He, and he asked me, he goes, was that before or after you were drinking? And I said, I was drinking earlier today, but I stopped drinking at 5 PM. Mm. And again, by the grace of God, I, I got a reckless driving mm. and not a DUI. Like I should have gotten in and should have right. This yeah, yeah, right. gotten a DUI right in that moment. Like as he walked away, I could see like the, the disappointment and, and also what I felt inside the shame and the guilt. And I started like looking over at the water and I was just started, that was, I think the moment that I had divine intervention Mm. and that's, uh, I would say Gus, you know, God, universe, spirit, source spoke, spoke to me and, and basically said like, you're meant to do more in this life than the life that you've been living. Like the simple pleasures will always be here always. Mm. And if you don't, let me rephrase this. If you continue to go down the path that you're going, you will die. Mm. And so the choice is yours. Mm. Right. And it just felt like a very stern message, but with a lot of like, compassion Mm. and so from then on again like right after that my dog died 
And so just like woman, car accident, dog, you know, the first form of unconditional love that I had ever experienced, because you don't really know that your parents love you unconditionally, right? Until you, you know, experience it from something else like this thing, this beautiful beast, you know, because he was, his name was Rocco. He was a 110 pound Rottweiler. Wow. Yeah. And, um, big, big, gentle, like gentleman, gentle giant. And he just loved everybody. He just, and you know, that really, I realized I was alone again. Mm. And that sent me on this journey of like my sister, you know, uh, how was it during that exact month? My little, my nephew, my niece was born mm. and, um, she's like, I want you to be the godfather. And mm. in, in Italian culture and tradition, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and she goes, she asked me, she goes, you know what this means, right? Like, you know, she needs an example mm. of what, of what it looks like to be around a healthy man. Mm. And it, it broke, it just fucking broke me, man. It broke me. And I was like, okay, like I need to, mm. I need to start, I need to start doing things better for myself and better for my family. Mm. And um, I wish that was the end of it towards the end of that year. I mean, I did become a godfather and, and it was, it, and I still am right. And I, it's one of the things that I fucking love. I so, so appreciate mm. towards the end of that year. My, one of my best friends at the time who I would go to festivals with and stuff. And, and, and mind you, I didn't stop going. I just stopped like chasing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I almost became like the rave dad, if that, you know, like making sure, taking care of people, still dancing, but like, hey, you got water, you good? You gonna need some electrolytes? I got you, like these yeah. kind of things. Yeah. Well, one of my friends uh, in November of that year, we, we had just gotten back from a festival and like a month before, and he he ended up, dying of a massive heart attack. His heart was like three times the size of a normal heart. And I didn't realize, and neither did his wife, uh, he was doing a lot of cocaine. Mm. And so he just died on the spot. And so I ended up taking his daughters along with one of his best friends, another one of his best friends to the father daughter dance. Mm. And that really, you know, hit me too because i was like they are now growing up without their father and because of the lifestyle choices that he chose to make and that really put things again into perspective for me mm. it's like do i and, and this is i i i want to pre-frame this or preface this that this is not coming from a place of judgment yeah. it was just me reflecting on on what is you know what how my life could go if i kept going right if i kept going right right and so 2018 came around and and i'll fast forward here a bit to october but i met this woman and this was like very beautiful woman we're still friends to this date mm. and she ended up triggering all of my insecurities mm. all of my nice guy shit and this is why this like this summit is so important to me is because I didn't know I was a nice guy. Mm. You know, I didn't, I was so masculine in every other aspect of my life. But when it came to the relationship, I always went down into the submissive role. 
happy wife, happy life mentality, the walking on eggshells, didn't want to disturb the peace, yeah. right? Um, depolarizing, mm. you know, it, it, like the sexual attraction started to dissipate. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? Mm. And I started like almost victimizing myself mm. until I went on a trip in, in to Iceland and towards the end of that year, I it went for a week by myself and I rented a camper van and traveled the country. Wow. Cool. It was fucking amazing. Mm. And it was also a very difficult time because she was supposed to come with me. Mm. And, um, I, you know, it was a, a really deep healing process for myself and I got back and we ended up separating mm. and she was the first person I told about the men's group mm. that my, the men's group idea that I had. And, um, and she said to me, and I remember the date, December 30th of 2018, she said to me, I feel like this next part of your journey, you have to do on your own. Mm. And she's like, I'm not ready for all of what I feel like is going to happen in your life. Mm. And while I was so painful at the time, I'm so grateful for her because of that, because it set me on this, on this uh, journey to understanding myself more as a man. Mm. And I would say New Year's Eve came and without going too deep into this story is when is like when I spoke to Gus again, mm. I was just like, because of the heartbreak that I was feeling and experiencing, I was like, I'm fucking ready. Like whatever I'm here, whatever I'm supposed to be doing here, whatever I'm supposed to do in this lifetime, like I, I'm ready to live in my purpose because I had no idea what that was. I'm ready to, you know, stop searching and stop chasing and trying new things and all this shit. I was like, I'm just, I'm fucking ready. Mm. And that's, I feel like that's when shit just started happening. Um, I'd, I had friends say that I should watch this documentary by uh, Tony Robbins called I'm Not Your Guru. And man, that fucking, that documentary changed me. Um, I didn't know what I was looking for in there. It found me. And there was this one moment where this woman stands up and talks and if you, I can see the smile on your face as you know yeah. what I'm about to say. Yeah. And um, she's explaining her, her husband. And she's like, he's just such a kind man. He's such a nice guy. And he's just like, and I'm paraphrasing here, such a kind man. And he's so sweet and he's very gentle with me and, and, like he works so hard and he loves me and I love him. And, and she's like, and I feel like he's afraid to let out this other side of him. Like, I feel like there's this fucking animal inside of him that he's just afraid to let out. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Tony asked, he's like, is he here today? And he was sitting right next to her. And I just, I fucking, everything inside of me dropped. I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh God, this feels like me like my body had a visceral response to this. And then Tony's guiding him through a process and ends up, he stands him up and starts guiding him through a process, asking him these questions. And, uh, and he said to him, he looks at him, he goes, heal the boy and the man will appear. Mm. And that phrase will forever be ingrained in me because in that moment I hit pause because my body had the truth bumps again, that visceral response. And I started looking at it. I was like, I kept saying it. I'm like, heal the boy. I wrote it down, like everything. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then in the blink of an eye, I started going back in, in, in chronological order to all of my relationships mm. from the most recent all the way back. It's like my, with the woman that I was seeing at, at prior to, 
um, to music festival woman to ex-wife and then all the way until high school and, and or college and high school and all the just all the way back and I realized I was like I'm the common denominator mm. in all my relationships and I was like okay well what does that mean me being the common denominator and then that took me all the way back to childhood and I I didn't realize I was doing my own shadow work and inner child work in the moment that I was doing it. Mm. But that's, I started to realize I was like, holy shit, my childhood. Mm. And these certain aspects of my childhood that really were, you know, put into perspective. Right. And I know I'm talking quite a bit, but there's, oh, right. you know, it's beautiful. I'm tracking. It's beautiful. It's, um, it really, you know, put a spotlight on, certain aspects of my childhood of my father being, you know, this, uh, he was physically present, but he wasn't emotionally present. He's from Sicily, you know, Sicilian man, very emotional, but not in the emotion that you think, right. Not like crying, but just more of like, you know, discipline, you know, we called it discipline. Right. But yeah, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Something very different. Yep. And, um, and realizing like he did what he had to do to provide for our family and he was physically present or he was not physically present or he was physically there but not emotionally there and i needed i needed someone to guide me into like these trials and tribulations and challenges of masculinity Mm. like this world is not fucking easy for for a man nor a woman but like there's i i feel like there's been more support in this sense for women and and it's been interesting like looking back on that aspect of my life and realizing my mom was very submissive to my father but i she was like the nurturer the caregiver the caretaker and you know but she would always like talk back or you know argue and bicker or talk behind his back and i but she's always told me she goes treat women nice Like treat them nice and don't be like these other guys. And so I treated women nice and I didn't want to be like the other guys. I didn't want to be like the asshole, right? I didn't want to be, you know, uh, controlling or anything like that. So I became the nice guy. And in that moment, I started to, I literally broke down crying just like out of nowhere. And I realized I was like, holy shit, like, this is why the, this is why I am the way that I am. Mm. And so I think it was three days later, I ended up flying up to North Carolina. That's where my parents and my sister and her, her kids lived at the time and my brother-in-law. And I ended up having a conversation with my father Mm. and that conversation completely changed the trajectory of my life. I, I believe that was one of my first initiations into masculinity mm. of, and I pretty, I, I feel like we, you and I spoke about this before on, on, on the interview. It was the first time in my life. And I was think I was 29 or 30 at the time. First time in my life I'd ever seen him cry. Mm. And you know, that's, I, it was because he finally shared his story, you know, his relationship with his father and how his childhood was and how they didn't have a good relationship and how he didn't have any guidance and he did what he needed to do to provide a roof over our head and provide food on the table and do what he felt he needed to do. Mm. 
and he didn't he didn't know any better and so you know turning that mirror i i started having compassion for him mm. and just understanding and realizing that for me at least like i could love him in a different capacity and i didn't no longer had to blame him but i could take responsibility for my own life mm. and and i feel like that's that's when things really started to shift you know from me from the boy becoming a man mm. and then i went to a, a men's initiation retreat that year as well I want to say one thing and i don't want to interrupt your flow yeah interesting the, another thing the thing that stood out to me from i'm not your guru documentary is when the other gal stood up and talked about her father and he's like, if you're going to blame him for that, you're, he's like, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're here. He's like, then blame him for everything, mm-hmm. blame him for the good and blame. In fact, I get chills right now. Like that was the, and it's cool that you in the relationship or in that conversation with your dad, were able to, like you said, turn the mirror instead of looking at him as a window and looking through him and judging. It's like, the context was given and and you found a space to love him. Another thing that stood out while you're talking, I've never thought this before, but I find incredibly fascinating. I'm going to think about it after this call more or this uh, episode. For me, the, the three greatest hero journey stories that have resonated. Like I remember the first time I saw Rocky when I was a kid and I just, we watched Rocky went through five as a family last week, it was uh, spring break and, and my kids got to see Rocky and my son was all fired up after. And, and um, the, those movies were so impactful, Star Wars. And then um, Braveheart, those three, those three movies and storylines are like everything for me as far as what the hero's journey looks like. But all three of those men didn't have parents. Rocky's parents died early. Uh, Luke Skywalker's parents, well, we know, <laughs> we yeah. know that little yeah. story. How that turned yeah. out. And, uh, and then, um, you know, William Wallace in that context, his dad and brothers are killed and his mom's never mentioned who she is, but the uncle comes and raises him. And there's something to, I think, becoming the hero and, separating the ingrainedness of the parent child dynamic and staying in that spot to coming alongside and being a peer like you did with your own father and looked at him as a man and you as a man and how you've come to that place. I think it's a, mm. it's a, there's something really prolific to that. And I like that word. I use it quite a bit. Cause it's, I love it. I love it. it. Just the phonetics of it and the, yeah. the tone of it. It's a, it's a great word, but there is something to that. It's like, and, I, and one of the things that I help guys even at the men's retreats is so often we want to protect that parent relationship and say they did the best. A lot of guys, it's interesting, like, well, they did their best or, and it's also okay to say, well, their best fucking sucked. <laughs> okay. Like their best was terrible and mm-hmm. not in judgment, just saying I didn't get what I needed and now I'm going to go solve it myself. And find that for myself versus continue to stay in that dynamic of, you know, like we talked about it on the recording, you get hit by mm-hmm. 
a man, what do you think that dynamic is going to be the rest of your life? And especially if the man never acknowledges it and you just stay in this dynamic of like being small versus that's such a cool opportunity that Gus gave you and your dad was open to, to sit down and, and uh, look at you as a man and a fellow brother and not his son in that moment. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It, um, and and you're exactly I right. Father for that, I really do. I, wherever he is right now, I just honor honor that man for holding that space for you and himself. Yeah, yeah, and and thank you for saying that because it's it's definitely something that him and I have been developing over the last you know forty five years now. I think it is since since we had that conversation, mm. and uh, or no, four years, yeah, twenty nineteen. Mm. And, you know, where I've been getting caught up in with that, that relationship specifically is, is wanting him to be somewhere that he might not be willing to go. Yeah. And, and really accepting that it's okay that he's not, you know, I might not have the relationship that I want from him, the expectation, but what I can do is, is meet him where he's at Mm. and you know, be curious about him and his life and his childhood. And, and it's actually been really beautiful because, you know, me being curious these last four years has really, you know, I got to see his first house in mm. Sicily uh, through, through photos. I got to see him when he was a teenager, mm. you know, going back to some of the coliseums in Sicily and just how he played soccer in Sicily. Mm. And so I really got to, I really got to see, um just under like learn more about him i got to learn more about who he is and his childhood and and his uproots and and just even pulling up google maps which is really dope he didn't know you could do this i pull up google maps and i'm just like tell me what your address was and he goes why i'm like i'll just tell me so i pulled it up and he goes i'm like is this where you were born he goes holy shit you can do this (laughs) that's cool (laughs) you know that's amazing Um, so it's just really cool because it's like it's a different it's a different relationship than I had when I was a kid. I think he came to maybe three of my soccer games mm. and I played because of him. Wow. You know, it's like I played because I wanted to prove to him that I was like, hey, like I want your love. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that journey just it kept going. It kept going to an uh an initiation men's retreat that I went to. Uh, hosted by Elliot Hulse, if you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. No. Um, he's got very polarizing views on masculinity. I actually love it in the sense I love people's pers- like other perspectives. Yeah, right, right. You know, and while I definitely don't agree with, a, uh, I don't want to say definitely, while I don't agree with a lot of the perspectives that he has, there is validation and I can see the value in what he's saying. Mm. Um, I feel like we, as a masculinity collective, as men collectively, we're evolving the paradigm. Yeah. Like we're shifting, we're moving, you know, it's not just traditional values anymore. Right. Right. Like there are strong women who don't need a man for his money. They Mm -hmm. don't need a man for these things, but they do want to be, they do want to be led. They do want to surrender. They do want to trust. And they also want a man. Mm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of polarizing, you know, viewpoints on masculinity. Yeah. I'm super grateful that I get to be a part of it in some capacity along with you and like this message that we get to spread of like yeah. really just fucking 
not helping men become more masculine, but helping them return to what's already born with inside of them. That's right. Yes. You know, it's like this, it's like, we're not trying to make men more masculine. It's like, fuck that. Like really just helping men find it in themselves. Because yeah. some men are more feminine, right? In nature, feminine, yeah. masculine. Like yeah. we talked about these these energies that we both have residing inside of us. Yeah. I use the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's most men are going to be more masculine. So they're like helping men unlock that mm-hmm. and not be afraid of it. Yeah, that's right. You know, not that's be right. afraid to be direct and assertive and, and, and communicate your wants, needs, and your desires and be grounded in who you are and live your life by a set of pillars or values or ethos or tenets. Mm. And it's just like, just really just drilling it in. Like you don't have to do this shit alone either. Right. Right. It's so interesting. The, the I'm trying to think of those, those three stories that I was using the rant rock, the Rocky, the William Wallace, a brave heart and Luke Skywalker and Star Wars never were alone. They always mm-hmm. had a mentor guide. They had someone that, you know, Rocky had Mick, uh, Luke Skywalker had Obi-Wan Kenobi and William Wallace had his uncle. And there is that and none of those men were their biological fathers. And I think so often, and I don't even know if it's possible where the biological father, maybe, I mean, I haven't seen it. There's, because in order to heal, we have to separate the connection, you know, and focus on ourselves as our own sovereign unit. Mm-hmm. But there is such a need for the, the, the wisdom being passed down from next generation, you know, the previous generation or uh, that, that sage archetype that comes in and says, mm-hmm don't do it that way, rock, you know, or whatever he's saying, like use the force or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a recorrection. And I think it's beautiful that all these different men, you know, this masculine collective is, it's like resetting. For instance, I had a coaching call this morning and I've been dealing with just all sorts of, it's been like the, I've had many dark nights of the soul. This is definitely one of them. And it seems like it's the greatest one because it's brought my wife in it and it's my children in it. And it's a lot of stuff. And my coaching call this morning, she said, my coach, she was just amazing who I found because I had her on this podcast and then we just Mm -hmm. hit it off. And, but she's like, what did that little 10 year old boy want to say back then? And that little 10 year old boy and I started crying because, and I've done so much healing work, but she asked, I never been asked, what did that 10 year old boy want to say back then? Mm. It's always like, what do I want to say to myself? How do I want to heal that 10 year old boy? How do I want to talk to that boy? But what did that boy need to say? And the boy needed to say, why are you hurting me? And all I want to do is be loved by you. I, you know, wow. like I would do anything to be loved by you. And you just, why are you hurting me? And so that, little boy in me who realized that the only way to be seen was to be perfect or you to be nice. You know what I mean? Like there's this like modeling of like affirmation that comes from that unit structure um, that 
innately where we know we're not happy, but it's like we, the, the, the veneer, the fog, the, the atmosphere is only that you can only breathe that in, right? You're only the nice guy. It was like, until something comes and wakes us up from it or snaps us out of it. And, um, and I'm sorry, what was your dog's name again? Brutus? Rocco. Rocco. Yeah. Like Rocco. And I believe this dog's, you know, you say Gus, God, universe, source, and spirit. Yeah. But I also think, and not, but, and I think it's so cool that dogs, dog, D-O-G or God, G-O-D, um, are the beings here to show us unconditional love, that they are God's heart. And it's almost like, the, and I, MDMA has been a, a huge teacher for me to understand, like, this is, this is love. This is, mm. you know, and where does the source come from beyond this temporary, how can we find that, that North star? But I always like to think that dogs are living being MDMA creatures. They just <laughs> I love that. It's like, they're just like, they're in it, you know, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, it's all good. And like, and uh, it's a cool gift that Rocco gave you to like Obi-Wan Kenobi physically in your hero's journey mm. in the physical form escape, but also be here right now. We're talking and is Rocco any less real? And, you know, I can feel Rocco even on this call. So, I mean, it's a beautiful gift that I think when I'm just, I will wrap it on and send it back to you, but I'm just, I'm mm. struck by the, of the archetypes but it's definitely like an equation that we all have these variables that we plug into this process and it will always bring this output and the output before we're conscious about replacing the variables that we want mm -hmm. are producing an output that is not of our own choosing it's of a condition receiving or something like that, you know, but once we can step into, I'm going to take that variable out. I'm going to put in a new variable. Mm -hmm. It becomes incredibly powerful. You know, we're talking about masculinity and it's like, well, the, what is the nice guy? The nice guy is a variable given to us that we're going to be seen, heard, affirmed, whatever, loved, but we find out like, no, we're only seen, heard, affirmed in love when we are our truest self. Like you're saying that we're not becoming masculine. We're actually reclaiming who we really are. Mm -hmm. So I find it fascinating, brother. This Re whole rec Reclamation. Yeah. Reclamation, dude. It's a, it's a fascinating uh, time. I just, first of all, I just want to honor you. I just love hearing your story. I know it's not done. I cut you off. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Those journeys, the music festivals, the what one of the things, how did LSD and how did MBMA and and whatever else during that time, how did that expand what you knew there was? I think that's like what what was your perception of life and reality and maybe God or spirituality or being raised Catholic or whatever it is, some existential, and then you take that experience and all of a sudden something's in you what was the shift there for you well so it's a great question the shift was experiencing something outside of myself mm. like something much deeper because i grew up in a roman catholic home where 
and these are my beliefs on on how I my perspective and how I saw it. But it was just we were doing going to church to because it was cool, mm. you know, like it was a cool thing to do. Mm. Um, and I was not a big fan. I felt like I was going to hell every time I walked in there because I didn't believe in what was being told to me. Mm-hmm. And to the point where every time I looked up and looked around, I was just like, is the devil here? Mm-hmm. You know, just like that religious fear, that religious <laughs> that trauma. A, but bro, seriously, that is a great question. <laughs> yeah, that's There's some wisdom in that childlike. Yeah. There's some wisdom yeah. in there, brother. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff that I don't even know if I fully unpacked yet, Mm. you know, that the religious aspect of my childhood, Mm. I mean, this is, this is the irony of it all. Okay. I was so afraid I was going to hell and yet I was cast as, as Joseph for a Christmas play. Mm. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. The the irony, uh, at least in my yeah. mind. Yeah, no, right. At least in my mind, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't even, I don't want anything to do with this. Wow. Oh yeah, we're gonna cast you as Joseph. All right, cool. All right, this is great. Yeah. Um, and so you know, this going back to the original question of like how this kind of like helped me, you know, what happened? Like, in in I feel like if I had integrated it better during that time, I wouldn't have continued to keep searching. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I what I got from it is it is these like Jesus is real, mm-hmm. right? And so is Buddha, mm-hmm. and and so is Allah. Mm-hmm. All of these deities, all oh, they're all real, yep. right? They're on their they're, they're their own journey, their own thing. But it's not like they, at least in my my perspective, uh, higher than we are but more along the lines of like, let me show you how you can live your life. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the way that you've been told. You can live a very compassionate, a very uh, service oriented life mm. and be, you know, rewarded for it in the sense of like, you know, you don't really need much yeah. Yeah. to live in this world. Like we like to complicate, overcomplicate things with okay we need this kind of house we need this kind of vehicle we we need these toys to come down to the point it's like why why the fuck why do we need these like what like what actually does it provide for us right and this is something that i believe a lot of men struggle with is like achievement achieve 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 yeah. get yeah. the thing get the girl get the get the home get all this stuff but what happens when you take all of that away hmm. like what are you actually left with right right it's like you're left with the man in the mirror. Right. So I've literally had everything stripped away. Like I've had all of it. And I've continuously built myself up. Do I have the nicest car? No. Does it get me from A to B and does it protect me? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do I want to build a life that I could never have dreamed of? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's just because I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and serve whoever I want, whenever I want. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And it's like, I want a family. I want all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's beautiful. One of the things you said, uh, you said, uh, you know, but for the grace of God, or, you know, however you said that. And I've been thinking a lot about one of the things I'm in my own journey 
I'm so ingrained, had the religious narrative so ingrained in me and it's foundational, but I'm also want to remove it as foundational and just use what I want of it. But I've been thinking a lot about this word grace and mm. grace is the essence of love, unconditional love, because what grace, the definition of grace is something given that you don't deserve mm. or you didn't earn or you didn't work for. It's just given it's, it's free. It's, it's the essence of love. It's oxygen in the air. I don't have to work for the, the air in my lungs right now to talk to you. It's just a gift. It's free. It's our job, whether we want to be conscious in our breath or not, but it's there and it's always there. And I think it's such a beautiful concept where we don't have to work. Like you're saying, you're talking about like amassing materialism, which may or may not, you know, in and of itself is neutral. It could be just a tool and assets, but when we see it as a blessing as a byproduct, as, you know, something that comes from the desire of our heart to serve and to love and to honor one another and to bring light and love and goodness in this world. It's like grace is always there. Just saying this is, this is a byproduct. And the word mercy is it is actually antithetical to grace, but the, it's the duality of mercy is something withheld that you do deserve. So you said you should have gotten a DUI, meaning like that's what you, you know, like that was probably should have what whatever, but that's mercy. Someone had mercy. Gus had mercy on you. Say, I'm going to withhold what you think you deserve. So mm. I can give you what you never earned in and of yourself. Wow. Like that is such a, in fact, I have children right now. That's the paradigm. I think we're all waking up to as humanity right now is a non-religious filter over these words, mercy and grace. Hmm. And it's like your story. It, it, I'm just listening to you, brother. And like, this is a story of mercy and grace in your life. And like how you even share about masculinity. You're like, I'm not, you know, you're, you're, you're a gentle soul, I guess, is I, I, my experience of you in a world where it's like, what is masculinity? You got to be a hard ass. Like, no, actually just be you be authentic, be free, breathe deeply and expand. I said, I don't know where I'm going with this other than I really mm. love every time we jam together. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I see, I see you. And I really honor your journey, brother. I receive I really you. Do. I really do. Thank you. The feeling is very much mutual. Yeah. I know, I know we've been talking about like, I receive, I receive yeah. your love. Yeah. You know, I receive that and, and just, I fucking appreciate you and the work that you've done in your journey throughout this entire thing. And, you know, again, going back to watching your TEDx and even, even, you know, before that with our connection call and just like how this is all just been this unfolding of just, we could have gone different paths, right? We could have gone very differently. Yes. yes. And I feel like a lot of men at times get lost in, and I'll speak for myself. You get lost in this idea of thinking it's only, it can only be one way. Mm. And that way is normally maybe the easier route. Mm. And this route that I believe that we've chosen, you know, destiny versus free will. Mm. There's certain, I think there's certain aspects to both of this, right? Yep. yep. Um, 
this path that we've been put on and then chosen is one that is not the most traveled. Right. But it feels like it is because I get to meet men like yourself. Mm. And I get to realize through that, like, oh, I'm not alone. Mm. And like, we're all, we're all doing some pretty powerful work being led by, you know, our divine source, whoever that may be to serve people at our greatest capacity Mm. and to hopefully leave the world a better place than when we got in it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like right now it's like, we can kind of tell it needs it. The more that I know you probably speak about this and the work that you do and what you're doing Mm. as just as it has been for me, it's like, thank you for doing what you do. Mm. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Yeah. What does your name mean? Do you know? I do actually. <laughs> so my name, my my name in totality, I don't have a middle name. Huh. Is is Fabiano Manino. Cool. And so Fabiano is bean farmer. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And Manino is little hand. Wow. And I don't have little hands and I'm not a bean farmer, but I like to think maybe like there's some symbolism there. You well, know, you like know what that is is the detail and its care. Farmer you know, there's a, there's two things I want to share with you actually. And I'll send you after you, I, there's a book that was written, I think in the 1600s called Pilgrim's Progress by a man named John Bunyan, who was thrown in prison for not um, sticking to the Anglican and Romanistic narrative. This was a free thinking Bible reading sovereign man who saw things a little different. And because he shared those different views was cast into to jail but in jail he wrote this book this incredible allegory called pilgrim's progress hmm. and you remind me of the head guy the the main um yeah protagonist in it his name was christian and christian goes on this journey and on the journey meets doubt doubt tries to get to say what do you do who do you think you are meets and the meets and so it's all these character traits but he personifies them on this journey and i just think you're you are you're the pilgrim's progress we are all progressing in this journey and the other thing that i was thinking of while you're talking is what's cool is in this you're talking about like we're i've i use this word i don't know why but sojourning we're all sojourning together and we're, it's like we're walking side by side where we know where we're going somewhere. We've seen it before. We've just never seen it with these physical eyes yet, but we're going to this place. We're creating this world that we know is a better place and it's beautiful. And there's a story that um, Angus, trying to think of his last name. He's a South African butt kicker, but he's, mm. he's a farmer. He's a potato farmer. And there's a story about him, the real, and he's alive today called faith like potatoes. Mm. And the book about him is incredible where he had this encounter with God. He was so, and he was not a faith man at all, but he was a farmer and he needed the rain and he would plow the fields. And there's a story somehow that people came to him and said like, why are you plowing your fields? It hasn't rained. It's the drought this year. And he is just, he was diligent in plowing his fields. And he plowed it, even though they were in a drought. 
And then when the rains finally came, the guys that were also had neighboring farms that didn't plow their fields because they were cynics and telling them it was crazy. When those rains came, Angus crop blossomed mm. and the naysayers had to buy from Angus essentially, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you remind me both of those, those stories, one allegory and one, a true life uh, person is cool that this, I mean, I'm going to stick with your name meaning real quick, but small hands and bean farmer, like beans need like a big, you know, colossal, not, I'm not talking about physical attributes. I'm just talking about allegorically right now. Like if you had this big, big giant hands, it would crush this very soft after it's boiled or whatever, you know, it, it yeah, would, it would yeah. destroy the crop, but you have to have this sense of gentleness, but also firmness as a farmer. And so I, I'm just watching you and I'm like, mm. man, names have so much meaning and you are cultivating something. You are a farmer. And what are you doing? You're tilling the, you're tilling the hearts of man is how I see you. You're mm. tilling the ground so that when the rains come, that goodness comes, the byproducts that we were talking about, it's received in humility and it's received an honor versus the ego sense of the guys next door with those hard hearted crusted surfaces. So I just, I don't know, bro. I just want to tell you that I'm seeing you and, and I'm excited for your journey and what you're doing and everyone, you know, like I've had some beautiful sisters reach out lately who listen to this podcast, one in Australia, one in uh, Brazil and one somewhere in the East coast of the United States when I have brothers come on and share their hearts, Oh, this is going all over the world. It's going to elevate. Yeah. It's going to heal homes right now. Just talking to your story. So I just, I'm, I don't know if I'm proud of you. I just want to give you a hug. I just like, man, really, <laughs> really beautiful brother. It's really beautiful. Are you, you, how are you, where are you in the ranking of your siblings? I am second in command. <laughs> are, are there three? <laughs> There's uh there's four of us actually. Okay. So I say actually because I was 17 when my sister was born. Got it. Yeah. So so it's my brother and then me, and then my other sister, and then the final one was uh, we we say gift from God. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Because truly, I mean, my mom was 41 when she was born, and wow. And um. But yeah, just to go back to what you're saying, like, thank you. So you were middle. So that makes sense. Now I see that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I I get you, brother. I get the you. Middle, the middle child normally is looking towards, the you know, the yeah. Old, yeah. And I became, I became the observer in, in life. Like I, mm-hmm. I observed the way that, you know, people respond or mm-hmm. react. And mm-hmm. I, I, and not, and again, in a sense of like judgment or anything like that, but I really just want to understand like why people do the things that they do. And, and, you know, you can tell a lot by how much somebody has healed mm-hmm. in the ways that they respond. And I used to say this thing, uh, or not used to, I still say it at times, but you can really tell a lot how someone, how much someone is healed by the way they speak about their ex, you know? And yeah, yeah, and it's definitely been a part of my journey, and and um, I believe that's why I've been able to do what I do now. Well, catch up. So let's finish with your journey. Yeah, cut you off and deviated. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, but no. What? So the gal who was your greatest teacher and and mm. told you you're in Iceland, and then what happens when you come back from Iceland? 
So, so going, so Iceland led me into the conversation with my father. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And then, or the, you know, Tony Robbins, and then that led me in the conversation with my father. And then, um, you know, I realized I was like, I think I need to start a men's group. Mm. And, um, you know, I was still hesitant because I didn't know, I didn't know. This is, this is how disconnected I was from a lot of this stuff. I had no idea men's groups existed like mm. at all. I didn't know, uh, you know, a lot of the ones that we hear about nowadays, which are so, you know, present in my life because I have connections with all of them. Yeah. I had no idea any of them existed. Mm. I was just like, I just need to start one. Mm. Um, but I didn't want to lead it because I didn't see myself as a leader at the time. And it was so interesting uh, because I started talking about it. I went to Phoenix in March March has been a pretty transformational time in my life mm. um, in a very good way. And it's interesting. We're in March now and the yeah. summit's going to be launching soon. Yeah. Um, but March has been a very pivotal time in my life because I went to Phoenix for High Performance Academy Live, which is a summit hosted by Brendan Burchard. Mm. And I started talking about this idea that I had for the men's group there. 2,200 people. Brendan Burchard didn't actually get to meet him, but you know, you really get to connect with the people that you're, that you're experiencing alongside with. And I started talking about it and it always out of of every single small group, I kid you not. And I was in a lot, we were in a lot, we had a lot of breakouts and it's everybody came back to me. They're like, tell me about this men's group idea. Like Mm -hmm. all the women, all the men were just like, tell me more. Like how can like, like you need to do this kind of thing like we like men need this and i have a like you know the truth bumps now because it's just yeah. like my whole body has a response and i just started looking at him and i'm like how do like this is wild you know because it wasn't the norm wasn't the normal thing to do yeah. i was told like you know my parents were like go to this college get a degree uh have safety and security, the financial safety and security. And, and that way you can grow up. You have a wife, all this stuff. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And there was no, dis, there was no distinct path for this. There's no, like, this is how you start a men's group. This is the path you need to go. This is what you need to do. It was literally trial by fire. Mm. And that's how I've lived my life mm. trial by fire. And, and I would, I, I wanted to say that I would, I, I started it right after, but I didn't. Right. I, without going too much into this story, I met uh, a woman on a hike after, before I left Phoenix and we, she saw me going down the wrong path, very uh, much older woman, mind you, she like just an incredible woman, incredible ended up being a good friend, but it was like one of those once in a moment, you just, you're there. Come to find out it was Joe Dispenza's best friend. Huh. And amazing. I had just started doing his work a year prior. Amazing. And um, she was like, I would say, uh, an oracle in that moment or Mm -hmm. uh, a message, a sign, because I never saw her again, never heard from her again. It's I I thought I had photos with her, not in my phone. Wow. Like you talk about, you know, just like a divine message, you know, spirit. She was that. Wow. And um, it's just wild because I have other photos from that exact hike. Mm. And she's in none of them. And I'm like, 
okay. I don't even, I don't need it. Like, you know what? I don't need to know. Yeah. All I know is that I got to experience it and she was like confirmation, mm. start the men's group. And so a couple months went by and I ended up going, uh, I started the, uh, to a Kava bar. You familiar with Kava? Yeah. 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 Went to a Kava bar and I, this is July, June, July of 2019. And I talked about this idea to one of my friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is Adam. He's a clinical herbalist. And yeah, it was the first conversation him and I had ever had. And it was two and a half hours long. Wow. And I told him this idea I had for a men's group. And he's like, well, let's do it at my place. We'll have the first one there. Could you, could you not? Like we got to his place. There was a round table in the middle, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And there was eight of us that sat around a round table mm-hmm. and I told them my idea. I had a friend who helped me mind map it. And for those who don't know what mind mapping is, it's like this, it's like a brain dump right. on a map and someone just helps you. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Highly recommend it. And that's where the men's group started. Mm. Two weeks later, I went to a men's retreat, the initiation I told you about led by Elliot Hulse and ended up meeting one of my best friends. He was a volunteer there. He ended up coming back and staying with me for three months and helped me grow the men's group. Cool. Mind, mind you, I was still working in corporate America. Like I worked a full-time traveling job, 40, 50 hours a week plus travel. Yeah. Um, and started this group. And uh, it went from eight of us to 10 of us to 12 of us. And then he came and he just started telling everybody. Mm. it went from like 15 to 20 men to 50 in two weeks. And then from there, by the end of those other two, like two more weeks had passed, there was over a hundred. And I was just like, holy fuck, what do I do? You know, like talk about everybody's looking at you for leadership and you did not see yourself as a leader. Like Mm. it was, uh, it was another initiation. Wow. And it's been going on for the last four years now. Dude, that's amazing. The um, I got to wrap here in a sec. The the yeah. summit. Tell talk about that, and we're gonna put it. I'll promote it, and we'll get we'll get this thing going. But talk about the the summit. Yeah. So the summit's called the Masculinity Summit, mm. and you know my intention is to have different topics, but this is gonna be the first one. Um, and the topic for this one is killing the inner nice guy to help men lead a fearless life. And, and like we spoke about, we're not, you know, it's not necessarily about killing, right. But it's about healing and understanding and bringing awareness to this guy, because there's so many beautiful traits to what actual nice guys represent. So they're very kind hearted. They genuinely care about people. They want to care for people. And they just need to know how to do it in a way that it's not self-sacrificing. Mm. That they understand what their values are, that they can practice healthy boundaries, and that they can communicate their wants, needs, and desires. Mm. And so this summit is a way I'm bringing in speakers from like yourself mm. from all over the country, right? We have, I have you, I have uh, so far Trevor Boehm, G.S. Youngblood, Brian Reeves, Stefano Sifondos, Wayne Barkas, I think you're familiar with Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron Alejandrino, who he is a co-founder of the Squire program in the MDK project with Bedros Koulian. Cool. So it's fucking like this. 
this it's a it, it's wild like the men that are speaking on this and yeah. just the amount of the amount of experience and stories because again men learn from modeling yeah yep right yep. being around other men is yep. like how we how we grow and how we evolve and seeing how other men are doing it it's like that's what i want to be so i'm going to do what they they do and hopefully they can help me unlock what i need to inside of myself so it's like bringing all these men together to talk about the nice guy syndrome, to talk about the passive aggressive man, as Aaron calls it, mm. and really giving men actionable tools to take away from each individual call, mm. right? And then obviously plugging you guys, like how can you know how can these men now come and support you or get coaching from you mm. and the other speakers and who they resonate with and who they jive with, and mm. really just bringing bringing men together, like that's the biggest thing. Just bringing them all together and just in one space to just fucking dive deep. I love it. Brother, yeah. I love it and I love you. I love what you're standing for. And everyone, I'm going to put, uh, I'll get the links in the show notes. So go sign up. If you know husband, brother, friend, yourself, sign up for this re this summit. Uh, every guy that you just mentioned, brother, has a beautiful perspective on it and i'm i'm excited to, to listen as well so i'm going to put that in the show notes and brother thank you for coming on i love you mm -hmm. and uh one of these days we will embrace in person and it will be it'll I'm be looking, glorious i'm looking forward to that <laughs> big good. fucking embrace i appreciate you so much thanks brother same yeah thank you oh uh, brother thank you so much for coming on and i'm i'm excited for our next conversation we're just going to keep this going and everyone like i said in the intro of this episode, make sure you go sign up for his masculinity summit. And if you know a brother also looking for freedom, I have my retreat May 25th through 29th in Dallas, Texas. It's going to be the location's incredible. And there are seven slots left. So please make sure you go to my website, go to lucasmack.com slash retreats and apply. And it's, it's go time. It's time to step into who we've always known we want it to be. This is a big key. Who we want to be, finding out that we really are. And I'm going to lead a lot of beautiful brothers through the process. So make sure you go sign up. Everyone, thank you so much. I love you all. I am Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com. <music>